From the Folger Shakespeare Library, this is Shakespeare Unlimited. I'm Michael Whitmore, the Folger's director. This podcast is called From the Farthest Steep of India. It's a look at the impact Shakespeare's writing has on Indian theater, and conversely, how Indian theater has shaped and altered Shakespeare's work. Shakespeare's interaction with India came, of course, in the context of India's experience with British colonization and colonialism. In 1600, Queen Elizabeth I gave a charter to the East India Company to trade with the Shahs, emperors, and Maratha princes who'd ruled the subcontinent for the previous century. Over the 150 years that followed, the East India Company transitioned from being merchant traders into a kind of quasi-government. After Indians rebelled in 1857, Queen Victoria closed down the East India Company and ruled India directly as a British colony. During the run-up to the rebellion, English had become India's language of instruction, and among the Indian elite, you needed to know Shakespeare in order to appear truly educated. All of that is background for our conversation with two experts on this subject, Joitsna Singh, professor of English at Michigan State University, and Madamita Roy, associate professor of English at Tufts. They are interviewed by Barbara Bogave. All of this was happening in, in the mid-19th century, and Joitsna, was Shakespeare already in India in, in 1840, 1850, at the oh, time yes. of this debate? Yeah, uh, yes, exactly. In what form? Well, I mean, uh, you know, he was being staged on the, uh, there were various Calcutta theaters, you know, the Sans Souci, the Chaurangi. So there was the Chorangi Theater, which Henry IV was performed in 1814, Richard III, I'm just reading some stuff, Merry Wives of Windsor, 1818. And so um, this became cultural capital for upper-class elite Indians, and they were already absorbing and seeing the influence of this British culture and, you know, specifically theaters and literature and so forth. Um, this is Modhumita. Um, um Beginning in the late 18th century, when theatres are set up, a lot of the plays are performed by by students in various institutions. Um, Then you have the Bengali theatre that that is established in the north, where translations of uh, Shakespeare translated into Bengali are performed, but uh, records indicate that they were not very popular at all. It's only when some of these plays are thoroughly Indianized um, that they have some purchase. So what does that mean, thoroughly Indianized? Well, I mean, uh, how Shakespeare is adapted or quote-unquote Indianized varies from period to period and different settings. So, for instance, the dialogue would have to be adapted such that Bengali sitting there listening or or watching this performance um, would not be thinking of Shakespeare as such. Often even the names would be changed. So Cymbeline, for example, was translated as Kushum Kumari, Macbeth as Rudrapal, Othello as Bhim Singha. I, I would want to go back and, and say a couple of things, Barbara, if I may. Okay, yes, and, go ahead. And I want to make the distinction um, and maybe uh, unsustainable in the end, but I want to make the distinction between a certain kind of anglophilia that emerges. That anglophilia can be, I think, seen much more clearly in departments of English sometimes. So, uh, you know, this very prestigious college, St. Stephen's College in Delhi, start a Shakespeare Society in 1924. And there, the idea is that you, whatever faithfully means, but faithfully produce Shakespeare on stage. 
and, and that I want to separate out from what we've been talking about so far. I think one thing very interesting that happened at this time is that while the Shakespeare plays were being Indianized, but as far as I know, also many of the budding playwrights of Bengal learned from the Shakespeare plays, the notion of tragedy or characterization. So there was a kind of cross-pollination a little bit going on. Would you agree with me? Uh, yeah, I, I think that um, perhaps the deeper influence of Shakespeare is to be found not in these adaptations or actual performances of, of Shakespeare viewed by, you know, tiny minorities here and there, but really in the way in which um, other playwrights, exactly. dramatists, novelists began to think about characterization, uh, realism of um, representation and so on uh, in, in certain ways. And these are debated, these are written about. Right. Uh, is Miranda the better characterization of Shakespeare or, or is it Desdemona? And how would we know this? And, and just to step back for a moment, we've produced a number of podcasts on Shakespeare in, in Britain's former colonies, and the experiences are so different from place to place. And at first, right after independence, people start saying, you know, why are we still performing this 16th century Englishman? Why are we venerating th this, this white guy? And Shakespeare comes to symbolize the oppressor. Modumita, can you speak to just how stark I, that contrast is between India and the other British colonies? So, so I want to say a couple of things, which again, may be um, a matter of nuance. Um, there was certainly a sense that these are impositions, you know, this is foreign rule and so on. But there was always this idea that this is also a window on the world. We will learn things that we, we don't necessarily reject out of hand something that comes from the West. We take from it what we need. We adapt it um, to our circumstances and our needs, and we go forward. Well, Joyce, now elaborate on that, because you've written about the development of theater in India, and you argue that at first there was theater in the rural areas, but not in the cities. Did Shakespeare play a part in bringing theater to urban areas as well? Uh, I, what I write about, I specifically mention Utpal Dat, about which Madhumita probably knows a lot too, is uh, this was in the 1950s where people like Utpal Dutt and others decided to take Shakespeare to the rural areas. You know, it was a sort of political uh, decision and to do Bengali translations. For instance, he did a Macbeth, which toured several villages and using ritual dramatic forms, indigenous dramaturgy and indigenous native um, you know, dramatic forms and music to, to sort of cross-pollinate Shakespeare with folk theater. Uh, and I think this was a very important movement that continued in urban theaters. In the, We have a National School of Drama in Delhi. And in the 60s and 70s, they did some, there was a, a director called B.B. Karanth who did some very interesting productions of Shakespeare using folk, you know, dramaturgy and folk theater. I'm not sure that Shakespeare was sort of uh, came from the village. I think there was conscious decisions, again, coming back to that R word, Indianize. And they were, there was thinking about how to Indianize. And some of this Indianization took the form of using these very sophisticated and very old Indian theatrical conventions, you know, stylized and masks and so forth. And Utpal Dutt was in the 50s and 60s. And then... Um, you know, there was uh, the National School of Drama and other productions. 
But in conjunction with that, there were all kinds of Shakespeare. There was the Parsi Shakespeare's in Bombay. There were regional plays. Some of them were very, very melodramatic uh, renderings. For instance, there's one that I had written about was Cymbeline was translated as Mita Zeher, which means sweet poison. And Hamlet was translated as poisonous snake, Zeheri Sam. <laughs> Uh, and and uh, Antony and Cleopatra was translated as Kali Nagin or Black Female Snake. So it was just, you know, all kinds of different languages. And I think one thing for your audiences, we should remember that India had all these different languages. Tell us more about Utpal Dutt because he had he, his his path uh, with Shakespeare. It seems emblematic of of the politics and of broader has broader significance in the in the history of of the colony. And and at first, Utpal Dutt, right after World War II, he mounted a new Shakespeare play every month, right? But then, when the Communist Party of India was banned and and Dutt's com- company was communist. The the group realized that they couldn't claim to be radical as long as they continued to do Shakespeare and other plays that were made for for the this westernized intellectuals of Calcutta. They they couldn't keep working for the man, so to speak. Exactly. So what did what did Dutt do then? How how did it change his approach to theater and bring him to this more flexible and more Indianized version of Shakespeare? In taking the the place to the villages, uh, what he what he is doing there, as others did, is not to say I'm going to bring this wholesale and you sit and watch it, but rather to redo the plays in the idiom in which people are, uh, you know, engaged. Joyce, now you you wrote something that, and I want to quote this, that seems to speak to that. And you, you wrote that native appropriations of Shakespeare often displace the cultural authority of the universal colonial bard, even while expressing a reverence for his works. Right. And, and so I think I would never say that even today that there was any kind of movement of, you know, this is the, the the sort of white Western figure we need to reject. People like Utpal Dutt and others who performed Shakespeare also used Brecht. Um, I think, of course, there was a reverence for Shakespeare. And you have to also remember, this was a whole generation, you know, like my father, who were completely educated with all these literary works. And, and so after independence, they didn't suddenly one day say, well, we want to reject them. But I think there was a gradual sense of adapting them, letting them speak to you. And in Shakespeare's case, all these different translations, these cross-pollinations with local, native, you know, indigenous dramatic forms, I see it as a rich cross-cultural kind of experience. And a lot of it, of course, was political. You know, there was a political choices being made by people like Utpal Dutt to, uh, you know, make Shakespeare um, in these indigenous forms. But one one foot one interesting footnote to this might be that the Indian government through the the body of the National Academy of Letters or Sahitya Academy um it, after independence we are, we are talking about the 1950s early 60s actually commissioned the translation of four Shakespeare tragedies because they felt and in many different Indian languages, because they felt that that we were not sufficiently uh, familiar with with Shakespeare any longer. So, it, so it's it's right, odd right, that the exactly. Indian government made that made that decision. Um, whereas, you know, Utpal Dattu and others are simply saying it doesn't matter where the idea comes from; um, if it's usable, we'll use it. 
So how does this rich and, and I, I don't want to say conflicted, but this kind of dual-headed or Medusa-headed approach to Shakespeare continue into the modern day? What, what are performances of Shakespeare like in India now? I think what, to me, what is really excited and something that I'm writing on now more is the connection between Shakespeare and film, is these three really important film versions of Shakespeare of Macbeth, Othello, and now Hamlet, and the kind of impact they've had. And so since India itself is now being taken over so much by the media, film, uh, my interest is really in amazing adaptations and appropriations and discussions of Shakespeare. And what's amazing Uh, about these films? Oh, I think that they are using Shakespeare, the Shakespearean language and idiom, and I think quite well, to really reread histories and politics of India. On the other hand, I think they're also very quite radically changing the Shakespearean text without, I think, losing the sort of essential core of it and uh, really appropriating the Shakespearean text and making that kind of read the Indian culture. So I, I, I would I would just say that that um, all that we have said about Shakespeare in India, I think with some modulation, uh, would be true of this moment. That is to say that Shakespeare is often introduced at the school level in English medium schools and students have to have to read it, uh, often complaining bitterly about it, um, and they sit exams on it. In the English departments, um, there, there's a certain level of Anglophilia of performing Shakespeare as it should be performed, whatever that means. And then, as Jyotsna says, there's this exciting other realm of retelling Shakespeare, appropriating Shakespeare. And these have always been true, I think, in, in various uh, different guises. Right. Um, these have been true uh, of Shakespeare in India. Yeah, I would agree that this is, you know, even today we are at a moment of reverence and interrogation. We still have huge Shakespeare societies in academic institutions in India, and there are great conferences I've been to, and there's interrogation, there's appropriation, and now there's, you know, the, the media are kind of evolving, you know, the, so the film is is an important medium. So in some ways, I think that's really nicely put. It's it's In some ways, it's the same story, but in some ways, it's a new story with new ways of telling the story of Shakespeare, some cliche like that. Well, Joyce Namotumita, I have so enjoyed talking with you today. I want to thank you for taking the time. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks a lot. Wonderful to talk. Bye. Joitsna Singh is a professor of English at Michigan State University. Matamita Roy is an associate professor of English at Tufts. They were interviewed by Barbara Bogave. From the Farthest Steep of India was produced by Richard Paul. Garland Scott is the associate producer. It was edited by Gail Kern-Pastor and Esther Farrington. We had help from Marcus Redeker at the University of Pittsburgh, Thomas Devlin at WGBH Radio in Boston, Andrew Feliciano at Voice Tracks West Recording Studio in Los Angeles, and Ricky Nallett at LA Productions in DeWitt, Michigan. Shakespeare Unlimited comes to you from the Folger Shakespeare Library. Home to the world's largest Shakespeare collection, the Folger is dedicated to advancing knowledge in the arts. You can find more about the Folger at our website, folger.edu. For the Folger Shakespeare Library, I'm Folger Director Michael Whitmore.